it's Chris Wendelkin, and this is On The Line, my podcast where I talk to friends of mine living around the country about all things NBA. We do some uh, NBA-related deep dives. We do some drafts, news from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. Um, if you want to send me any NBA-related questions about your fantasy basketball team or your real life NBA squad, you can hit me up at onthelinepod at gmail.com Last, if you could please rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts, I greatly appreciate it Alright, we're back we got a great show for you today, my buddy Matt Hobby's on the line. Real quick, I just want to make a, I want to make mention that I'm a bit under the weather, if you can't tell hence the reason I sound a bit like a frog so I apologize for my occasional uh, hacking up of my lungs uh, during during the course of the podcast, it's just it's just where things are at, folks. It's that time of year in New York when uh, everyone's getting sick on the subway, and it just seems like everyone in this freaking city has <laughs> this like disgusting cold. So I'm 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 infected. I'm affected, and uh, but we're doing our best. So thanks for listening. Let's dive in with the one, the only Matt Hobby. All right, on the line, a man who once peddled rumors that Jimmy Butler was actually the bastard child of Michael Jordan. He's the president of the Jimmy Butler fan club. It's Matt Hobby, the dribbler. D2, how you doing? I am over the moon for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I am a Jimmy Butler believer. I was a Jimmy Butler person who I believed early, I believed often, <laughs> and I even, I even believed that Jimmy Butler was in the right during this whole you are a uh, saga yeah. call the blue you are a self-described yeah. jimmy butler apologist and uh <laughs> you you among all of our friends over the last i don't know this this whole thing with jimmy butler and the t-wolves has been going on since early september right when he requested a trade um but you are the one <laughs> or one friend that stood by him the whole time and felt that he was in the right and uh, it's just so funny. It worked out. You know, initially, I w- when I reached out to you, I was hoping that we would do a little news and notes around the league type podcast, thought we would just talk some nicks and bulls. And then, of course, on Saturday afternoon, Shams and Woj tweet out, Minnesota has agreed to deal Jimmy Butler to the Philadelphia 76ers. And like, like that, our weekend was, uh, was Woj bombed. So, um, yeah. Incredible, man. Incredible. Uh, let's hop into it. Let's just let's hop in- into the Jimmy Butler trade fallout. So, yeah, the T-Wolves trade uh, all-star forward Jimmy Butler to the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are sending Robert Covington and Dario Sarge along with Jared Bayless and a 2022 second-round pick to Minnesota for Butler and Justin Patton. Um, the Sixers and Butler are hopeful to come to an agreement on an extension in the offseason that would that could potentially pay him as much as $190 million over the course of five years. Um Curious, Matt. Just your personal take on the whole thing. You've so you've been with Jimmy Butler. You, you know, you're a diehard Bulls fan. You've been with Jimmy Butler since his, you know, inception. Since he came into the league. Just your gut reaction to the trade. Personal feelings. What's what's going through your head when you yeah. heard this news? I just want to say that I announced the uh, pregnancy of my daughter, uh-huh. uh, who is now a, now a real person, like a, a <laughs> yeah. one year old. Right. We announced her, our pregnancy of her with a tiny Jimmy Butler jersey. That is how oh much my God. I am. A, that's how much I'm a Jimmy Butler fan. Wow, um, that's wow, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. It, 
it hangs in her closet. It is a Bulls jersey, but alas. Um, so uh, I think that uh, this is just fantastic. Like, I'm so happy for Jimmy. I think like yeah. getting him back into the Eastern Conference, one, it's great for him. Like right. He goes from being a fringe playoff team in the West where – you know, Minnesota, even with Jimmy, they never had a chance of getting out of the first round. You know, I just mm-hmm. think like, um, uh, as much as I was also a massive Tibbs fan when Tibbs was in Chicago and yeah. I was really upset when he and the Bulls parted ways. Um, I feel like he is not equipped to be a GM and in the way that he has sort of just assembled everyone <laughs> from his, uh, you know, um, <laughs> 2010 Chicago Bulls squad back in Minnesota. I think he's sort of, he's got his head in the sand about how the NBA has moved. And, um, yeah, so I just think that like uh, Jimmy saw the writing on the wall and I respect that as a player, he was like, listen, I'm 29. I'm about to be 30 and I'm not gonna, I got one more contract and then my knees are going to be gone. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm just going to go for what I want. I'm going to get what I want. And I think it's like, we see it with, we've seen it with lots of players, right? Kevin Durant picked his spot, you know, like uh, LeBron had invented the, the one in one contract. Right? right. So like, I think uh, the idea, like we keep seeing this over and over again, that like players get sort of punished for being demonstrative about what they want and what they, where they want to play and who they want to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, they're expected to sort of like forego their personal desires for the good of the team. And uh, then that team has the very easy out, like DeMar DeRozan, of being like, sorry, it's just business. We traded you. Right. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't care that you've been like ride or die for Toronto for forever. So like... Yeah, totally. You I know, mean, that's why it's just, I, I was thinking about this this morning. It literally makes no sense for any of these like loyalty, you know, like players being loyal to teams. It's such nonsense. Like, like a team and owner, they will flip you a GM. They will flip you as soon as it's convenient. So, you know, my, my exactly. one piece of advice for all these athletes is like, just sign the most lucrative possible deal and, and go to the place do what you really want to do because, if you, you know, no one is going to, no one's going to be doing you any favors as, as soon as a better no opportunity way. presents yeah. itself. Yeah. So like, I'm like, go East, everybody mm-hmm. go East and you'll make the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I mean like right now, what is it? Detroit is, uh, Detroit's going to make the, like Blake Griffin's going to be in the playoffs and it's could crazy. potentially get to the second round. Um, you know, I just think, so back to Jimmy though, yep. like, uh, I'm excited for him. I'm glad that he's playing with. Let's let's actually talk fit. But like, sure. I'm I mean, excited for him. I think he's in yeah. position to win, and that makes me happy for him. Yep. As he's probably kind of getting into the peak and the slope down in his career. I mean, I, I just want to ask you. I feel like it's been a long, strange trip with this guy. Like Jimmy, Jimmy the Jimmy Butler story has been a really interesting one, and I feel like you have kind of a unique perspective as a Bulls fan. Um, you know, you were so invested in his story and stuff. Like, he kind of came out of nowhere. You know, he went to... 
Didn't he go to junior college, then he transferred to Marquette, and then he was drafted back of the first round by the Bulls. He really didn't play much mm-hmm. his first year, and then sort of there was an injury, I think, to Luol Deng, and then all of a yeah. sudden he was like thrust into the lineup and really started producing, and of course Derrick Rose got hurt, and all of a sudden, you know, Jimmy Butler suddenly had like the keys to the car, and um, and he was just kind of thrust into the spotlight and really became this fixture. Um but he's been very much like a rags to riches story, and um, it's been a weird, rocky year or two or three with him. I feel like, you know, he's now on his third team. Um, it seems like maybe he's not always the easiest guy to get along with. Like, is that is that fair? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, as a as a Jimmy defender, where do you stand on this? Like, how do you reconcile with like who he is as a as a teammate? I. I blame Mark Wahlberg for all of it, <laughs> but <laughs> I just think, uh, yes, I, I think like, uh, I guess as a Jimmy defender, mm-hmm. what I'll say is that like, he has worked very, very hard for everything that he's gotten. And so yeah. has everyone else. I yeah. mean, like the thing is, is like, it's funny to hear you say like, he was chosen at the back of the first round right? and you go like, yes, that's a, that's a big like it's hard for guys at the end of the first round to like kind of stay in the NBA. Right. But at the same time, it's like, it was not like he was Isaiah yeah. Thomas. He wasn't six six. No, no. Or like, he's, I mean, not, he was he's, all... not, he's not David Nuava who like paid for John Simmons. No, he was like know? first team I mean, all big East. Like he like definitely had accolades, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And he, he got drafted totally. But I, absolutely. I think like expectations for Jimmy Butler were very low. He was also like, I think he was a three-year college student. I don't think. Yeah, he, I don't think he played a senior season. At you know Marquette, what it is? I think it's also like his personal story about like there. There was always like absolutely. so much mystery about like he may or may not have been homeless. It sounds like he was kicked out of his house when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. His his like parents didn't want him. Like his father wasn't around. His mom kicked him out of the house. He was living with friends like on sofas throughout like his his teenage years. Um, so there is this very like blue collar upbringing and story with him that's like so rich and it kind of colors and kind of complicates the guy he is now it's just it's very interesting to think like where he came from to where he is now like he's on the verge of getting this mega max contract and um i don't know yeah i I mean i am wondering if i think philly is hoping to like is agree on this extension yeah but i think i would I could see a world in which this just doesn't fit. Totally. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. I think we, they went into it. We can talk it. about that. Yeah, we could talk about that. I think they went into this with their eyes open. Um, you know, Philly, in terms of the financials, like if it works and if the team succeeds, I'm sure they would be happy to sign them. You know what I mean? And if it implodes, they'll just, you know, maybe they'll just wash their hands of it and like let them walk. I don't know. Um, all right. So that's, that's the Butler personal angle. The other thing I just wanted to cover was, you know, the other guys traded Dario and Covington and Bayless, yeah. but specifically, you know, Covington and, and Dario, these were, these guys are very much like heroes of the process. They, they're guys who kind of toiled with the team during some like really dark, days in philadelphia um covington specifically he was undrafted in 2013 he signed a multi-year deal with the rockets and spent most of the most of his time with their d-league affiliate 
He wound up winning, I think, like D-League Rookie Player of the Year for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. And um, he was waived in 2014, and Sam Hankey grabbed him. And they kind of saw, they kind of like saw the potential in this guy. He was this like great wing three and D guy. Like he, he was the future of the NBA. You know, Sam Hankey was very much like an innovative mind and saw like, oh, this is the sort of guy that we need to start building our team around with guys like this. Um, But I also feel like he was sort of like in a way, and this is, I feel like Robert Covington was also brought to that team to continue to lose. Oh, totally. Like, oh, 1,000%. 1,000%. What's really interesting is that he established himself as like, even though you're trying to build a team to lose, you're going to want me when you want to win. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it was so ingenious what Hanky was doing because he was like, we're going to need guys like you um, three and four years from now, once you're better than you are now. So like, let's, let's get you reps, you know, and it, it was just basic, yeah. basic player yeah. development. And, um, yeah, so Covington really developed into this great wing three and D player in the league. Last year, he renegotiated that contract. He signed under Hinky. He signed a, last year he signed a four year, $62 million contract, and um, he's been a great story. He was NBA All-Defensive First Team last year. You know, he's the sort of guy that's basically 12 points, five or six rebounds, a couple assists, uh, like a steal and a half a game, and um, just a really solid defender. Um, and, you know, Dario, 24 years old, six foot ten power forward. I mean, this is a guy I really love. I think there's still a lot of untapped potential and upside with him. You know, he's the 12th overall pick in 2014 out of Croatia. Um, he didn't come to the team until in, until 2016. And, you know, admittedly he's had like a really slow start to the season. I think he's only shooting like 35% from the field right now. Um, he's kind of picking it up, but you know, he's, he's a, he's a talented passer. Uh, he's got a great post game and, um, I mean, he's awful defensively, but you know, he's still young. He's a big guy. And I'd love to see him develop into someone that gets like a little bit more responsibility on offense. So I don't know. I, I, there are two players that I think the fans in Philly fans of the process were like very fond of. And, um, you know, it's, 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 everyone is very excited obviously to be adding a marquee talent like Jimmy Butler in Philly. But I think too, there is some sadness to see Dario and Covington go. And, um, we're certainly wishing the best to those guys in Minnesota. So, um, but yeah, let's talk now maybe a little about like the pros and the cons of the trade for, for both teams. Let's start with Philly kind of, um, you know, any, any pros or cons, let's start with the pros for, for the Sixers, anything that off the top of your head that you uh, feel for for the Sixers here? Yeah. Well, I feel like what uh, a lot of what I've heard and read is people sort of uh, concerned about Jimmy's, like, usage and, like, how yeah. he's going to siphon off possessions from Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, understandably. Um but then I kind of dug into some numbers. I went on NBA reference to be very proud of me. And, um, <laughs> nice. and uh, Jimmy's usage is currently at like 22.7% okay. of possessions. And that's down from the last three years. He's, but he's just a couple percentage points. Um, and uh, Robert Covington's usage is 14.2 and Dario's is 18%. So like, hmm. in essence, 
like if you think, you know, cause Justin yeah. Patton's most likely never going to see the floor. Right. He's still injured. I think like it, you're, I don't know that this, the trick for this is going to be in staggering the minutes, right? Like if you, if you just stick Jimmy out there with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, like, you know, he's going to just hold the ball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that is who he is. And like, I think Jimmy is dangerous as a cutter. You know, he's got, some of like he he does play well off the ball, but uh, you know he wants the ball in his hand. So I think the trick is going to be particularly staggering he and Ben Simmons. You know, yeah, like finding how you get those rotations so you know uh, they're not battling for who's in control, so that it's not like a John Wall Bradley Beal situation, like your turn, my turn, right? Or like it, or like it was with Derrick Rose in Chicago where it's your turn, my turn. Like, yeah, I think that, I think if they can pull, if they can, you know, kind of finesse that. And and the thing, Mm -hmm. the the difficult part is going to be those first, that first eight minute stretch, right? Where like all those guys want to have to start, they will all be on the floor and you're going to need chemistry out of those first eight minutes before you can start staggering guys before their egos come into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing about Butler, you know, for me, there are a few different angles here, but like the one thing I I think Jimmy Butler's biggest, you know, the biggest thing that he brings to the table for the Sixers is suddenly Philadelphia now has like their late game closer, you know, someone that can take a shot, you know, as, as the clock is winding down and, you know, he mm-hmm. can drive and get to the free throw line. He can take um, he can take a mid-range jumper. You know, Ben Simmons doesn't have the jump shot mechanics of, uh, you know, to, to take a last-minute shot. And Embiid basically is most effective in the paint. And, you know, come crunch time, defenses kind of, like, tighten up. It becomes harder to throw the ball into the paint. And Jimmy Butler can very much like be that guy. You know, he can be the guy that you hand the ball to with the game tied, um, and they can yeah. sort of defer to him. And you know, he can kind of slash and get to the rim, or like I said, shoot, shoot uh, in the mid range. And he gets to the free throw line almost as much as James Harden. So I think that's a, a really big asset for for the Sixers um, in that regard. I mean, the other thing I, I just think like. Big picture wise, you know, when you think about pros and cons of of the, of the trade for Philly, is like they finally got their third banana, right? They got their third star. You know, they they were hoping yeah. it was going to be Markel Fultz when they drafted him, and that really hasn't worked out. And they obviously tried for LeBron James in the off season, trying to sign him, but that was always a long shot. And now they've kind of answered that question of like who's going to be the third guy with with Simmons and Embiid, and the answer is Jimmy Butler. And, you know, we, he might not be the perfect player and he might not be the perfect, even the perfect piece for this team necessarily, but he is probably about as good of a solution as they could reasonably have hoped for and expected based on like what was available to them. Um, Especially when you think about what they gave up, you know, like they did, they didn't give up Markel Fultz and I think they didn't give up Markel Fultz. They didn't give up a first round draft pick. I mean, I think that's pretty pretty big and when you really think about what jimmy butler is jimmy butler is a four-time nba all-star he's a four-time nba all-defensive team honoree you know he's a two-time all nba teamer um 
for the last five or six years, he's somebody that's like been the primary offensive focal point. Um, you know, he's consistently averaged 20 plus points a game, four or five assists, five or six rebounds. I mean, and, and his offensive stats really only tell a very small part of the story with him. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a dog on defense. You know, he gets after yeah. it. He's the engine. Yeah. Uh, he, he's the engine for his team. He's the spirit. He's the floor general. He sets the tone and he challenges everyone around him to play to their absolute best and their absolute hardest. And, you know, I, I, I don't, like I said, he might not be the best player. He might not be the perfect player, but he's a damn good player. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's, I mean, it's a big you're, you're talking to the president of the Jimmy Butler. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think, what I think is going to happen is I think what I wonder if Philly will shift Fultz will shift Fultz to the bench. Oh, I right? think so. Especially, I think so. especially to start games. I think if you've got like Simmons is your starting point guard and you start JJ Redick at shooting guard, mm-hmm. Jimmy at small forward, it looks like they started Landry Shamit yeah, at I think that's power what, forward. I know, it's crazy. I think Landry Shamit's going to be the guy. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. He's He played point he guard. Played 40, he, played he played point guard at Wichita left. State. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. I mean, I, I could see, yeah, I mean, maybe they're going to hunt for somebody on the buyout market mm-hmm. for like a power forward type spot, if, you know. Um, but I just feel like if you move Fultz to the bench, then you've got a little bit more shooting on the floor. Cause like I, I, you have to guard Jimmy Butler at three. He's not like a knockdown three point shooter, but he's pretty soft. Like he's good enough. You can, yeah. You can't like leave him unguarded. Exactly. And if you have Redick out there, um, and you know, I think Shamit is a decent shooter. Oh yeah. Like you've got to, you've got to like, you gotta, you gotta follow him. You know, like you, you'll have some room on the floor for Ben Simmons to operate and for yep. Jimmy to operate. Yep, yep, yep. And 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 you know, um, and then you know, yeah, we can only hope that this means that we're going to get to pop the Corkmas. You know? oh. Well, Corkmas requested a trade a couple of weeks ago, but maybe this finally, you know, creates some opportunity and there's some playing time for him. So we'll see. Let's talk I did about. Not know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Corkmas was. I wonder. Corkmas I wonder, is upset is about playing time. Yeah. Who do you think is the most uh, unknown player to request a trade? Gosh. Like, like, do you think that, like, John Lucas III was ever like, I want to be traded? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, um, oh, God, who is this guy's name? He played for the Knicks or like, last year or two years ago, this Croatian guy um, who, like, requested a trade and was like dude you play like 10 minutes a night like what like what's yeah. the issue here but um was it M- Mid-August Kuzminskis? yes that's who it was yeah yeah i think he went like went back to lithuania or something so <laughs> yeah it was pretty good yeah um all right let's talk about some of the uh you know those are the pros of the trade what are some of the, some of the cons that you see um you know for me i i think like the team is kind of depleted now. I mean, just from a depth perspective, you know, something we, we talked about on, on the pod a few weeks ago was the Sixers really lack three-point shooting when they let Ilya Sova and Marco Bellinelli walk in free agency. They really, um, they're just thin. They're thin at, at uh, three-point shooters and Fultz and Simmons still have pretty flawed, broken jumpers. And so mm-hmm. they need more sharpshooting guys to space the floor, maximize the effectiveness 
of their new big three, you know, Simmons and Bede and, and Jimmy. Um, ben Simmons hasn't taken a three-pointer this year. Markel Fultz hasn't taken one in six games. So the Sixers got to start thinking about veteran buyout guys, you know, Kyle Korver, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Um, anything that you see as, you know, a potential con or a drawback for, uh, for the Sixers? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I, I think that they are a little thin, um, but I don't think it's going to really bother them during the regular season, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, they're sitting at fifth right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I would say as, as someone who um, is, a, is a GM for Robert Covington um, in a fantasy league, right. uh, he's not like shooting, he's not shooting that great. Right. Three, and neither was Dario. So like, I don't know that like they've lost so much of the shooting right. that they had, you know, um, I could see like, uh, you know, I still think the top four in the East are going to be Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. I think Indiana is going to cool off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think once, you know, Philly is going to get Wilson Chandler back, you know, I think, uh, he's been, uh, like a solid rotation guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he gets injured a lot, but, uh, I think he can, I think that will help their depth question. And then, yeah, I think the buyout market, I think someone like Kyle Korver, or if they could get, I mean, you know, like if J.R. Smith got bought out, sure. Yeah. You could see that happening. Yeah. You know, God, the Cavs, um, all those, the Cavs, all those, the Cavs, all the, the Cavs just got to start selling pieces, man. Yeah, all the carcasses of the Cavs, you know. Yeah, I mean, what about so we we talked about the um, the financial element of this before, and that is one of the cons or drawbacks that I was thinking about too. Is you know, the team is is potentially maybe likely hitching its sail to a twenty nine year old guy who's kind of cantankerous at times and you know he's had his share of health issues over the last few years he had an elbow injury he had a right knee issue he had an mcl surgery um and they've effectively taken themselves out of consideration for the 2019 free agent class if they decide that they want to stick with jimmy uh you know which would mean passing on guys like Kawhi, passing on clay thompson passing on Kyrie, passing on kemba walker uh, Goran Dragic, um, uh, Eric Bledsoe. So, um, is that in all a, a concern for you? I mean, $190 million over five years. He's, he's 29. Um, you know, father time is undefeated. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say here. I, yeah, I, I they're kind of stuck in a father time plus Tibbs. Yeah. <laughs> father time plus Tibbs yeah. rotations, you know, He's led the league in minutes or, or has been right. in the top five for years. I think I could see, um, I think it is, I mean, it's definitely consideration. Like, uh, I, the only, the only person that I could, you know, of that, I don't know, you didn't mm-hmm. every free agent, mm-hmm. you know, I think, um, outside of Clay Thompson yeah. or, but I, this doesn't feel like Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson is not going to leave Golden State. Right. And like the only person you're really hoping for is Kevin Durant. Sure. And, uh, you know, but, but again, it's like in a way like, uh, Embiid and Simmons, they've done 
they've they've been so great and they've done such a great job of establishing who they are and i think for the for the fan base of philly they are the team like even if kevin durant comes right it feels like it's kind of like golden state we're like it's still steph's team even though kevin durant has won them both of their last two finals like nobody thinks oh golden state you mean the kevin durant team you know (laughs) so like it's just it's it's always going to be the splash brothers it's always going to be the process Right. So, like, I don't think you're going to get, like, if Kevin Durant goes, if le- if he leaves the sort of, like, cush situation in San Francisco, he's going to go to, I mean, you know, we can all cross our fingers and, and uh, do the sign of the cross that he goes to uh, to the Knicks, um, which would just be, I think it would be the best thing for basketball. It'd be, wow, it'd be something, yeah. It would be the best thing for basketball if he went and played for the Knicks. Um, or just in New York, I guess he could play for the Nets, but no, that'd be, awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he should, he should play for the Knicks, but I just don't think I don't like uh, looking over the list. It's like, I don't think Philly could have gotten a better yeah. player I realistically. Mean, that's the thing. It's like, you do have to be practical about it too. You know what I mean? Like who else could they have gotten for Dario Saric and Robert Covington? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, nobody, not a a top 15 player. Could they have traded Dario Saric and Robert Covington for the Spurs to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard? I don't think so. You know, like, or, 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 you know, yeah. Or Durant or, or Clay Thompson. Are they, is it really like, are you really hitching your sail to, to the idea that one of those guys is going to leave those great organizations to come to Philly? It just doesn't seem likely. But I do think there is, you know, that there is some fear that, you know, he's he's 29. He has some health issues. It's a lot of money. Yeah. You're seeing it with Chris Paul now play out. Like, these guys, they, you're. it's dangerous when you're paying a guy for past performance. But that's just sure. kind of what you have to do, unfortunately. And yeah, I mean, I guess... Maybe they're hoping that he'll age like Dwayne Wade. Yeah. And sort of like, yeah, like, okay, his age 33 and 34 seasons, he's going to get overpaid. But by that point, hopefully we've gotten a title. Totally. Or the salary cap has spiked again. So, and like, yeah, when, when, you, th- when you think about it, they're going to, they're in all likelihood going to get offer him a five year deal. And I really think what they're doing in offering him five years is trying to maximize on a two to three year window, right? And they're just going to bite the uh-huh. bullet on those last two years and overpay. So with that in mind, you know, the the Sixers are kind of doubling down here on the next two to three years. They're basically saying, would... we're going to try to win an NBA title in the next three years, right? Yeah. And I feel like they're saying, like, we are not afraid of Toronto. We are mm-hmm. not afraid of Boston. Mm-hmm. We are not afraid of Milwaukee or mm-hmm. uh, Indiana. And, and it makes we're going to take mean, like, a swing, and we'll take a swing at Golden State. And maybe I don't know. Maybe that maybe they're thinking that Golden State only has another year or two. You know that they they remain together. I don't know. It, it's who knows. But yeah. um, I, my question for you about this two to three year window thing is this: management has to be kind of low-key terrified that Jimmy Butler is going to eat Markel Fultz alive, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. right? That's, I think that's fair. So does acquiring Jimmy Butler, 
what is what does acquiring Jimmy Butler really mean? And specifically specifically for the team and Markel Fultz. Like it seems like if they're really going all in on the present tense, if they're really going all in on this next two to three years, I do sort of wonder, despite the progress that Markel's made with his shot, you know, he looks still like a long ways from being ready to contribute on a title contending team. Do we start to hear rumors of, you know, trades for, of Markel Fultz for more veteran focused players? You know, like, do the, do the Sixers mm-hmm. try to trade Fultz for a proven vet guy to pair along, you know, Simmons and Fultz and Embiid if they're, you know, if they're, if they're, if they've decided that they have this two to three year window, um, do they have time to be patient with Markel Fultz? That's interesting. I, I wonder, I mean, uh, I think that's a a really solid point. I wonder if I mean I don't know. It's like who's yeah. Who's I mean out that's, there that that's, you're going to really slip for. I mean like honestly like I look down. Mm-hmm. I guess that you could try to maybe peel someone off of yep San Antonio. Right. That that's what <laughs> I, I that, that I think that's like, like the that's the logical response to that question, which is like okay, great, we're going to trade Markel Fultz. What exactly is he worth? You know what I mean? Like, what is anyone giving up for Markel Fultz? You know, think of teams that would be interested in taking Markel Fultz on. They're probably developmental teams, right? Teams without a point guard, teams without a shooting guard that have time on their hands. You know, like, I don't know, a team like Orlando or a team like Phoenix or a team like the Knicks or the Bulls or you know, the, the bottom, the, the Brooklyn Nets or, or the Cavaliers or, um, I, I don't, I don't know the, the right. Dallas Mavericks, the, the bottom dwellers of the NBA, they could maybe take on a project. But with that being said, what is, what are any of those teams giving up? What are any of those teams have a, but B, what are they even willing to give up for the right to, I don't know, experiment with Markel Fultz? It's just, it seems like kind of right. a far-fetched idea, right? I mean, yeah, I think that's part... This is sort of like... It's interesting. It's really tied back to, like, this thing of, like, Golden State has been so dominant that teams have made, like, hard turns. Yep. People have either been like, we're competing, we're not We're not gonna... Uh, we're gonna spend and we're gonna, like, try to beat the champs. Or, and, like, ev- and I feel like that's, like, maybe... Well, it's a lot of teams in the West, but almost no one in the East. And everyone else is like, just tank, rebuild, rebuild, and development. Yeah, no, it's hopeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, I mean, like, maybe you could get Charlotte to to give you something. I mean, I don't know if you could get Kemba, but you would. You don't need Kemba. That's the whole problem, right? Yeah. Like, because, because you have Ben Simmons, right? So, like, you know, they have basically a... Their big three, and this is great for them, their big three is a point guard, a center, and a wing. Mm-hmm. So now you really can, you really do have this ability to like, your complementary pieces can be guys from the buyout market. Like, I don't know, in a way you don't need Markel, which I guess makes him expendable, but that also tanks his, tanks his trade value. Sure. I don't know. I mean, like, do, could you flip him to, to the Knicks for... Who who would you on the Knicks be willing to give up? Um, on the Knicks, anyone, everyone. Yeah, no, I'm not attached. Uh, that's the beauty of the Knicks is like the Knicks. 
The Knicks yeah, are the Knicks about. are the Knicks are literally just trying things. So I would be happy to have Markel Fultz on the Knicks because I wouldn't have to give. A, the Knicks don't have anything valuable on their team. You know what I mean? It's like they're playing guys like Alonzo Trier and um, and uh, yeah, 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 Damian, Damian, Dotson. Damian Dotson. I mean, like minutes, and I like those guys a lot. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, a guy that's on the Knicks that that uh, that the Sixers should try to acquire is like someone like Courtney Lee. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just thinking about the Charlotte roster, I'm looking at it now, like they would be wise to, I don't know, target someone like Malik Monk, right. Or Jeremy Lamb or Nicholas Batum. These are sharp shooting three point guys, role players who are play off the ball, you know, like our catch and shoot mm-hmm. guys. Or if the Clippers fall out, you could try to get like Tobias. They oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Although they, the Clippers have that. some, the Clippers have some weird vets that you could probably get them to part with, like someone like Avery Blatt, Bradley, mm-hmm. or Patrick Beverly, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. defense first guys who you know who if if they fall out of the playoff race, which it feels like they're just really outplaying their talent level. They right should now. be. Yeah, I know. It's incredible. Like if Gallinari, like because like right now, I mean like. The top eight in the West is crazy, man. Because oh, I know. The, the hilarious thing is, like, when you look at who's not in the playoffs, they're all playoffs. <laughs> right now, like, right now, Utah, L.A., the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Mavericks, the T-Wolves—they all miss the playoffs. If if the uh, if the playoffs begin today, start today. Yes, Sacramento. Sacramento in. makes the playoffs, right? The Clippers make the playoffs. The Grizzlies make the playoffs. The Spurs make the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, it's still so early, 13, 14 games into the season. Um, but, yeah, it's still things are still shaking out. But real quick, let's talk about the trade from Minnesota's perspective, some of the pros, some of the cons. Sure. So, I mean, it seems to me the biggest pro um, for the Wolves are, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins will no longer be be bullied i don't know by like a salty surly guy who is looking to get paid and didn't care about locker room chemistry um you know in games that jimmy butler hasn't played this season towns has averaged 27 points a game and when he's been on the floor with butler towns has only averaged 17 points a game so you know big disparity there I, i i don't know it's hard for me to figure out how this is a net win for the wolves um to me, you know, when you look at it from a purely talent perspective, they are worse off. Like they're they have less talented players now than they did before. Um, I love Dario. I love Covington. I talked about that at the top. I'm hopeful that they can, you know, find a, a home with with Tibbs and the Wolves. But I don't know, man. Um, can, can you know what I think? You know, you know what I think is great about because like, I think Dario has the possibility of being a great playmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a part of his game that sort of had to sit on the back burner with yeah. Ben Simmons on the floor. And so I think if you look at Minnesota, they don't have playmakers. I mean, like Derek Rose can get, can still get to the basket somewhat. And, you know, he's been shooting better from three than he ever has in his life. It's incredible. Like, um, um, again, I'm also I'm also president of Derek Rose Fan Club. You've been have so, you like, watched the games the la- the Minnesota games the last couple the last couple of days? I know it seems like I've they've watched, all been on I've national t- television. So many of them. Yeah, I've you saw the Laker so game because uh, yes, yes, I did. I, what did he drink? I mean, like, it's just like six or seven three pointers in that game or something. It was incredible. Yeah, like it's it's unbelievable. I mean, like 
Uh, I'm so happy for him. I I could just launch into like sure. Derek Rose stuff and prob- <laughs> probably probably get choked up. But I think what it you know I I think what you got in getting Robert Covington and uh, Dario Sarge is actually you've gotten like two really great pieces for your starting five. Yeah. You know, is Tibbs going to start Sarge over Taj? I, I don't know, yeah. but he should. He should. And like, the truth is, is like, it, you should slide Andrew Wiggins up to the shooting guard spot where, uh, and then you put Robert Covington as your small forward. He's a stretch, like he's like a three and D guy. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Sarge at the power forward, Carl Anthony Towns. Both of those guys can, you know, if Sarge can get his shot back a little bit, they can both suck people out towards the three point line. Yeah. And then that is going to open up space. If you've got Derek Rose or Jeff Teague running point, you know, like Jeff Teague is a super confident point guard and he was very good last year and he's just been injured. So like, you know, Derek has had to do a lot and I could see, you know, who knows what will happen when Teague comes back. If Derek starts at point, you know, um, or if they kind of move him back to his sort of six man role, Mm -hmm. I just think like, I think if Tibbs can uh, stomach not starting the veteran in Taj mm-hmm. and um, and and just look at his rotations realistically, I think they can be good. I don't think they'll make the playoffs in the West, but I think they can have something that is exciting for the fan base. I hope this unlocks is. Towns, and I hope it unlocks Wiggins. Yeah. I hope. I honestly just hope. In the way, I understand it's a very different circumstance, but in the way kind of like when DeMarcus Cousins went down last year, uh, Anthony Davis just like exploded. He just like decided to go into like Russell Westbrook mode. Uh, It would be great to see Towns just, you know, put on the Superman cape and just go nuts. But also, I, I am just such a fan of Dario's game. I don't know that enough people know about him. And you're right, like... He really has, I I always kind of hoped that he would have an opportunity on another team. I kind of thought he might get traded this year. He's a year away from needing a contract. And it just, you could kind of tell that the Sixers weren't going to be able to pay him. If they they were star hunting, you know, whether it was LeBron or Jimmy Butler or Kawhi or or Clay Thompson, there was no way that they were going to have room to also keep Dario Saric. So he was always a guy that was kind of rumored among Sixer fans in in potential trades. And when I thought about him going to a new team, it was like, if they do, if they ever do trade him, I just hope he can go to a place where he gets to have more responsibilities because he is such a fun player. And um, yeah, yeah, I hope, I hope Tibbs utilizes him and kind of lets him uh, him blossom. I, I also, I also feel like his, He's young. He's younger than Jimmy. He's so 24. like, yeah. there's, yeah, there's like, like he's probably maybe what a year or two older than Towns, a year or two older than Wiggins, or yeah. close to the same age. Yeah. So like, they have the ability to like really grow together. And yep. like, you know, both those guys already got their max contracts. They're going to be there, and you know, they have this <sighs> ability to like really gel and have great chemistry. And he's... even if you know, you know, yeah, then maybe. uh, you know, maybe even if Tyus Jones can, you know, if they keep, they are using Derek at shooting guard right now, even though he's basically running point, but like, 
they are playing lineups with Tyus Jones and Derrick Rose together. You know, you could see like, yeah. I don't know, Tyus Jones and those guys getting some, uh, finding some chemistry. Dario is also like in contrast to Chimmy and the whole situation of the last few months. Dario is an awesome dude. Like he's also just like the biggest goofball. Like he's the biggest doofus in the world. His nickname is the homie. Um, you know, he's just, he is a guy that the Sixers loved. Like, he is a real prankster. Right. And I think that it's going to be maybe like a welcome change in the locker room for for that team, for the T-Wolves. So I'm really pulling for them. I hope it works out. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, yeah, they have no personality at all. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. Andrew Wiggins is like just the most... Vanilla. He's just a vacuum of a person. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, in conclusion, so is this? Let's talk about is this the best possible trade the Sixers could have made here, uh, or best possible trade the the uh, the the T Wolves could have made for Jimmy Butler? You know, when when we think about it, there were a couple other offers on the table. There was the Houston offer, the alleged Houston Houston offer of four first round picks and and Marquise Chris, and then Miami's offer of Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson, who's now averaging 20 points a game and a first rounder. So they wound up setting, settling on Covington and Dario and a second rounder. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to evaluate like hypotheticals, but um, yeah. how do you feel about the trade? You know, is, is, is this the best they could have got for Jimmy? I think it's better than what they could have gotten from Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, like I love, I mean, listen, I love Josh Richardson. I think he's great. I just think, uh, nuts and bolts like uh, it feels like Robert Covington and Dario is, is more valuable than you know and, and, and especially like Miami kind of has been like hit right around the playoffs every year yeah and uh, you know so like whatever pick you get from Miami is probably not going to be that high in the draft right you know um, uh, yeah. So especially if you're handing them Jimmy Butler, right? Sure. Like yeah. if you give, if Miami's like, yeah, we'll give you a first rounder and it's, uh, you know, from it's the 2021 and it's, uh, Jimmy Butler's playing there, then they're probably going to be fourth. Yeah. Right. And so you're picking in the late twenties anyway. So I think like getting two players and the value of those two players that, you can trust is is better than Miami. I mean, as far as the Houston thing goes and the four firsts from Houston, again, it's similar. Like Houston's going to be, uh, I expect that they'll turn things around and, right. you know, uh, you'd be drafting low for four years. I mean, those picks can then be turned around into something else. But I also think that, you know, this is the whole thing of like Tibbs is fighting for his job. And so he wants what he thinks will help him keep his job. And for a first round picks doesn't help you keep your job. Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah. when, when, when those picks are like, you know, they have to be, they have to be spread out over eight years or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it's the best, I think it's probably the best haul they could get. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, you're always going to lose. Sort of thing, like you're like, you're trading Jimmy Butler. Round, yeah. 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 Yeah, you're you're bound to lose. But yeah. I do think that what they've got is that instead of 
you know, getting, even from Houston, if you're getting four first round picks, that's probably four project players, right? Over eight years, you're, you've got two players who are more established. You know what they are, you know what their game is. And both of them are styles of player that your team me mm-hmm. and you also know? Covington like, is on a team. A, Covington's on a team-friendly deal for the next, I think, three definitely. years. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you take a crack at signing Sarich if he plays well with Towns. I like it. I mean, it's again, it's not, it's not the perfect deal. You're always going to be taking cents on the dollar when you're trading a superstar player like Jimmy Butler. But you know, the guy didn't want to be there anymore, and he made that very clear. And he was sitting out games and. You know, peop- he was he was being miserable to other people in the locker room, specifically yeah. your star players. Like you had to, you had to do something. You had to get rid of him. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. considering the circumstances, it's probably you know about as good as they could have expected. Um, real quick, in yeah. your estimation, does this trade vault the Sixers past the Bucks or the Celtics or the Raptors into the NBA Finals out of the East? I think it. Definitely vaults them above the Bucks. Wow. I think, uh, yes. I mean, I think the thing is, is like now they've got someone who can, maybe, you know, I don't know if he can really lock down Giannis, but Jimmy can harass Giannis. Yeah, he'll make his know? life hell, certainly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think you've also got, you can throw Jimmy on Victor Oladipo, and Oladipo is mm-hmm. going to take a lot of long jumpers. Um, Look, so uh, when you, when you match up that roster, the Sixers roster against the Bucks, Celtics, and Raptors, the team that I mentioned, you know when when they when they square off against the Celtics, the three best players are on the Sixers, not on the Celtics. You take Simmons, Embiid, and probably Butler before you took Kyrie Irving, right? Or maybe maybe it's a toss up with one of those. But point being is like they are really talented and in the case of the Raptors you know you'd maybe take Kawhi before Jimmy Butler but like damn those are those are three loaded loaded um you know there's three like incredibly talented players on a loaded roster yeah so yeah I think I I mean you know Toronto has a really good mix of savvy vets and young athletic role players. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Like what they've done really well is that like their leaders are vets and they're, they're role players and they have some vet role players, but their their role players are young people that you don't have to depend on. Dude, like, I said this to someone the other day. I was like, the Toronto Raptors are basically, they have Kyle Lowry play guard and Danny green plays like shooting guard, small forward. And then everyone else on the roster is a quote unquote, small ball five. They're all, they're all like these like six, nine guys that are like, Oh, he's a center. It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's like, no, I know he's six, nine, but he shoots threes. He's a center. It's like, all right, dude, if you say so, you know, like OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and and Valanchunas and, and, all these guys, man, yeah, they're so like, they're so interchangeable. It's 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 incredible what they're doing up there in Toronto. Yeah, I think I mean they've structured their roster incredibly well. I mean Kyle Lowry is having like uh, an an amazing season. Um, I think that would be a really great matchup. Yeah, uh, I think I think that the 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 way that I think it's like 
after this trade, it's it's Toronto, Boston, and Philly. Okay, I think Toronto. Toronto still. You think Toronto's is, still the class of the East? I, I still think they're the top team in the East, but uh, you know, Boston I think has depth mm-hmm. beyond Philly, right? So like you yep. know, once you get past that starting five for Philly. And depending on who they can get yeah. going into the playoffs, depending on how they feel about it, like you know, Boston's got a lot of great, strong bench players, and they can stagger, you know, Kyrie, Hayward, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Horford, and Aaron Baines has been, you know, solid when he's been well, and um, Marcus Morris and Terry Rozier. I mean, like you know, it's like you just go on. Like they've got such a deep roster. Yeah, and I think that they will work out some of the chemistry stuff that they've kind of suffered from starting the year. I think the, but, big, I think the biggest takeaway when we are evaluating the Sixers and comparing them against the Bucks and the Celtics and the Raptors is like, this is an unfinished product. You know, like, right. I, I, I think now they become one of those teams where vets who are angling for buyouts like Philly becomes a destination, you know, it's like, Whoa, do I want to play with, do I want to play with LeBron or do I want to go to Philly and play with Embiid and Simmons and Butler? Or do I want to go to golden state or do I want to go to, you know, Boston or, or Toronto, but this is an unfinished product. The, the Philly roster. Um, do you expect to see them in the Eastern conference finals? Yes. Okay. All right. Before we wrap, let's, uh, let's talk a little Knicks bulls. So, um, both teams are, (laughs) both of our teams, you're a Bulls fan. I'm a Knicks guy. Both of our teams are in the bottom 10 of the league in offensive efficiency and points per game. (laughs) And, and, uh, they're both basically middle of the pack defensively, you know, opponent points per game. The Bulls and Knicks are both four and nine, um, towards the bottom of the Eastern conference. Let's start with the Bulls real quick. So we have a roster here of Antonio Blakeney. Is this Raleigh Alkins? Ryan Archinano? How do you say that name, Matt? Ryan? Archidiacono. Okay, great. Wendell Carter Jr., Chris Dunn, uh, Cristiano Felicio, Shaquem Harrison, um, Justin Holliday, Chandler Hutchinson, Zach Levine, Robin Lopez, Laurie Markkinen, Jabari Parker, Cameron Payne, Bobby Portis, Tyler Tyler Eulis, and Denzel Valentine. Um, Matt, what do you what do you see so far from the Bulls that you like? Any promising signs? Tell, talk to us a little bit about the team thus far. Yeah, so the Bulls have definitely been going through. Uh, they've had like a really bad run of injury luck. Okay. So you know, uh, Chris Dunn uh, got injured um, after being back for one game. Lowry Markkinen hurt himself in training camp. Uh, Bobby Portis hurt his knee, and Denzel Valentine has been out. Um, all season with some ankle issues. And so, um, you know, those four guys were all projected to be in the rotation. You know, Chris Dunn was a smart starting point guard, Larry Market and starting power forward um, with Bobby Portis and Denzel Valentine, both being guys you expect to come off the bench. Um, so I, I do think that the Bulls are actually better than their four and nine record. Um, uh, the, the line on their season, uh, was, I think 
30 games or 30 and a half games. Wow. And I took the over. I took the over because <laughs> I was very positive. Uh-huh. Um, I think, I think the, the, but the good thing is, as we said about like, um, just like guys like Robert Covington and Jimmy Butler early in their careers getting reps because of injuries, a lot of guys that probably would not be getting reps right now are getting a lot of reps. Like Fred Hoiberg, I mean, you you know, I, I don't think he's that great of a coach, but one of the great things he has done is he started Wendell Carter Jr. And, you know, Yeah, it looks Wendell, like he's getting minutes, 26 minutes a night. He's getting major minutes, and he's, listen, he's a rookie, so, like, he gets called, he's got, like, a ton of foul. He fouls all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in foul trouble a lot. But the things that he's doing well are progressing really quickly. Like you're seeing that in pick and roll coverage, he can, he's actually very skilled as a big of like catching the ball on the roll and kicking it out to an open shooter. Like he's not just a dive to the basket. Yeah. Hit me with an alley-oop. I mean, he's got some, he's had some nice alley-oop dunks and stuff like that, but actually he's got, he's got very high basketball IQ for a rookie. Everybody keeps saying like, oh man, he plays like a vet. He plays like a vet. Isn't he a kid and too? Isn't he like 18 or like 19 or 20 or something? He's, he's 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I mean, very young. Um, super smart guy. I mean, I just think that like... Yeah, and, it seems you know, like a really inter- solid draft pick. Oh man. I, I There was a time where I was mad that the Bulls didn't like take a swing on Michael Porter Jr. But I am very happy that they went with the other junior and Wendell Carter Jr. I just think like... I, this is the thing. When Lowry comes back, the two of them as your starting front court is excellent. Like, it's, it's great. You know, like, I think that is all that the Bulls need to worry about for the, for the rest of the season when Lowry comes back. is like, how do we nurture the chemistry between these two guys? Yeah. Because, like, Zach Levine has been playing pretty well. He's terrible at defense. Um, but 27, scoring, 27 he, points a night. Yeah. He's averaging 27 a game. I mean, like, listen, the guy's chucking shots. Yeah. Like you wouldn't believe. I mean, if you watch the two OT game, it's like the Knicks and Bulls just, went like, to double overtime earlier this week. Yeah. We were both watching and it was like, it was a yeah. comedy of errors. It was just like, I, th- this ugh. is, you know, what's funny was you were like, let's talk about this two OT game. And the thing is, is like, I honestly, I don't remember who won. And it doesn't matter. I I will tell you, honestly, there was a point at which I was like, I wasn't sure whether I wanted the Knicks to win or lose. You know, for me, I'm very focused on lottery balls this year. Um, I know there was a bit of draft reform, so you can't totally tank quite as hard as you could in the past. But for me, I'm like, I really want the Knicks to focus on playing hard and losing. So like a hard fought game where they lose to me is a victory. Yeah. And that's basically what the game was. It was like a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of nobodies just took the bulls to double overtime. And, um, that felt okay. You know, it was, it was just yeah. such a it gross felt like a double. It, it felt like an OT game at summer league. Oh, like it, it was, was like, so yeah. gross, man. It was, it was like, are these NBA players? Are we sure these guys are all pros? But, um, yeah. Oh, Emmanuel. What, how did the game end? Emmanuel Moutier fouled. Was it Zach Levine? Fouled. I think he fouled Levine yeah, he on fouled, his way to he the. He fouled Levine with like point two seconds. Left Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, how are we yeah. feeling about Levine thus far? Uh, listen, he is. 
signed a massive contract, right? That's probably important to, to, to note. So it was like a four year, $80 million contract, something like that. 78 million. Okay. Um, so, so technically Jabari Parker is making more than Zach Levine, which is, uh, is he is is he a, sh- a shooting guard or a point guard? Is he he's like a hybrid guard? Is that I mean Zach, Zach Levine is a shooting guard. He okay. is because Chris because Chris Dunn is out. They've been relying on Cameron okay. Payne and Ryan Archidiakono. So Archidiakono, the reason you are so familiar with his name <laughs> is that he was on the. Um, Villanova that's right uh, championship team that's right so he he is I mean Archie Diakono is a very traditional point guard he is like the Bulls TJ McConnell he's that okay he's exactly that person so like just expect that he's like a dog on defense scrappy runs point he can't shoot but he can like get you into your offense Uh you know what I mean like Uh that's Uh it's very traditional point guard um I actually think he's better. I think he's going to start. I think eventually he's going to start because Cameron Payne has been starting. And uh, I think the only reason Cameron Payne is starting is because the Bulls traded for him and the GMs feel like they have to yeah. start him to keep, you know, anyways, but he's going to fall out and, and then Chris Dunn will come back and it'll be a little more normal. But where do you stand? Um, on, where do you stand on Chris Dunn? Are you a fan of his game? Are you, are you bullish? And is he like the point guard of the future for the bulls or is it still kind of wait and see? I am bullish on Chris Dunn. I'm actually also bullish on Shaquille Harrison. I, I want Shaquille Harrison to get more minutes. He played last year for the Suns, and he was pretty solid. I mean, like the Suns were the worst team in the league by far, but, um, I think that, uh, as a Bulls optimist, I think that like Chris Dunn is going to be a solid point guard. He's, I think he sort of can fit that Patrick Beverly thing with like maybe a little more of a, uh, I, I don't think he's quite as small as Patrick Beverly. So Chris Dunn's six, four. So like, I think he's got really good defensive instincts. He's been a great on ball defender. Um, and last year when, when Levine was hurt, Chris Dunn was doing, having to produce a lot of offense and he was okay. Like he was okay. Um, and then he got hurt because he dunked and shifted his tooth. You know, you see that where he like landed on his face. Oh God, that's right. Oh God. It was like, uh, as you said, comedy of errors. Is, is, is Chris Dunn the point guard on your championship team? No, but he could probably be the point guard on a playoff team. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Zach looks good. Like Zach is shooting very, very well. Um, and he has really done a good job of like minimizing long twos, you know, there's still a lot of, I mean, like that, the end of that Knicks Bulls game was just like, who's going to do a dribble pull up? Like, who's going to dribble into a pull up jumper? And that is like Zach wants to do that. He wants to be, he still, like, he wants to be Kobe. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus. you see those guys that are, that still believe that, like, basketball is Kobe Bryant versus <laughs> basketball is LeBron James. Right, right, right. Or James, right. Or J- or James Harden, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Zach wants to be Kobe. And so right now there's nobody to tell him not to be that. Jesus. Um, yeah. Jabari Parker's a nightmare. I was going to ask, how's, like Jabari, the, how's the Jabari partner, Parker experiment going? It's horrible. It couldn't go worse. Why? He's, what's, uh, the, what's the deal? Well, apparently he came to training camp um, very out of shape. And okay. even like John Paxson, 
who is notorious uh, among Bulls fan circles for um, just covering up everything and like never kind of uh, agreeing that something's wrong, um, said in a radio interview that Jabari came to shape, came to camp so far out of shape that they didn't think he could play more than like 15, 20 minutes a night. Oh my God. Um, and that he's now trying to play himself in a game shape and because of the injury to Bobby, but like, I mean, you know, they started him when he, uh, the first few preseason games, he played so poorly that they moved him to the bench, um, and started Bobby Portis, uh, cause Markin has been hurt the whole time. And the, the thinking was that if Markin came back now, now Portis is hurt. So Jabari's starting, but like if Markin came back, it was going to be the power forward rotation was going to be, Markinen and Portis and not Jabari Parker because Jabari Parker is fat and can't shoot. So like, I mean, it, it, and doesn't play defense and admittedly doesn't care and looks like he doesn't care. That being said, last night he actually blocked, um, Colin Sexton's shot at the rim, his putback attempt at the rim at the end of the game to seal it for the Bulls to win 99, 98. All right. All right. Um, yes. Uh, and so maybe he's going to try to change that narrative, but like, you know, he just seems, he seems super checked out. There's, there's an article in Deadspin about how he, uh, is spending less than three seconds on each question in post-game press conferences. So like people are asking him like, Hey, so what do you, you know, uh, what do you think about your role? And he's just like, I think it's fine. And that's it. You know, <laughs> oh, like yeah. he's, he's, like they're basically like you know the press is going to start to like turn on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's he's so miserable he's a because he's not kid, starting. Right? He is a hometown kid, and he, you know, uh, the thing about him is he does. Uh, I think he does a lot of really great mentorship work and and community work in Chicago, which is the city that needs it. Um, but uh, yes, yes, and so in that regard, like you know, he is a he is a great person, and he's got. Uh, a great spirit, but as far as like the basketball side of his life right now, is he's very, miserable. very miserable. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk yeah. Knicks real quick. I'll give the uh, yeah, roster, give it to me. the roster rundown here. So we have uh, Ronnie Baker, the the Bake Show, uh, Trey Burke, Damian <laughs> Dotson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Mario Hazonia, Isaiah Hicks, Ennis Cantor, Kevin Knox, Luke Cornett, Courtney Lee, Emmanuel Mudiay, Frank Nilakina. Chris Tapps, Porzingis, Mitchell Robinson, Lance Thomas, Alonzo Trier, and Nola Vonley. Um, so here's, yeah. can I actually, can I actually yeah. ask you a question? Please, please do. How, is Kevin Knox getting minutes right now? Um, he's been hurt, you know, like he, <clears throat> he's coming off an injury. So okay. um, he, he's been hurt, but I will say the deal with Fisdale is he, he's been bringing Knox off the bench. Um, and he makes these guys earn their time. And if you're not playing well, like he's not going to just cater to you because he's supposed to cater to you. So, uh, Knox is like slowly earning his reps and his minutes. Um, but you know, I, I, I've been really pleasantly surprised with the emergence of a couple of guys on the team, specifically Damian Dotson and Alonzo Trier. Um, the Knicks recently put Mitchell Robinson into the starting lineup and, and Cantor's been sort of playing his butt off off the bench. And I, I got to give him a lot of credit for that. But 
Yeah, the Knicks have been sort of a weird hodgepodge of guys playing like 20 to 25 minutes a night. Um, you know, the Damian Dotsons of the world and Mario Hazonias of the world are getting shots and score. You know, it's like it's a team of a lot of guys scoring like eight points and 11 points. And uh, right, right. Yeah, it's an interesting bunch. I mean, a lot of role players. Noah Vonley has been playing really, really hard. Um, Mitchell Robinson has been, you know, this is the guy that we drafted towards the back of the first round and he was a bit of a project. He has been like very up and down. He's been very up and down. He makes these incredible, incredibly athletic plays, dunking and swatting shots away. And then he also makes some really bonehead plays too. So, um, you know, the biggest, the biggest takeaway from the season for me thus far is just Fisdale. You know, like I think, I think the Knicks finally have a coach and he's, he's a guy that like holds the players accountable. He makes them work hard. He isn't out to be anyone's best friend. He's not catering to anyone or whatever. He doesn't care where you were drafted. Um, but he's also really supportive of his players. Like they, they, the guys genuinely seem to like him and he's giving, you know, he's giving guys opportunities to make an impact. And if you, if you produce, you play, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting first, I don't know, 13, 14 games of the season, uh, as a Knicks fan. So do, who, who do you think sticks, right? Or like, what do you think is the path forward for these Knicks? I mean, is it just like, we're still uh, like, uh, we're trying to get, uh, you know, we're trying to get, uh, what's his face from Duke? Like one of those three Duke Zion, guys, right? We're right. Trying yeah. To get, yeah. Zion Williams. Yeah. We're trying to get Zion Williamson or. R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett or yeah. Cam Reddish. Absolutely. I think that's the plan. I mean, I think that the idea, they would probably never say it or spin it this way, but I do think the the plan is to be as bad as possible, you know, to to play hard, to create a culture, and um, and understanding that, you know, they probably win, won't win many games um, because they're just not good enough right now. Like, you know, they're going to play Mitchell Robinson 25, 30 minutes a night. You know, he's the starting center right now. And on most nights, he's going to get outplayed by his opponent. But that's okay, because he has to learn. He needs to, like, cut his teeth a little bit. And he is learning on the job. And um, so, yeah, but they're going to lose, they're going to lose a bunch of games, but they're, they're playing hard. Like, I watch these games, you know, I've watched almost every game of theirs and they, they really get after it. It's a lot of fun. And, um, it's always like, they always play like three and a half really solid quarters. And then in the fourth, it's usually like that game against golden state the other, the other day at Madison square garden, it was like, they were right there. They were hanging with them. And then all of a sudden Durant and Curry like flipped the switch and they were just draining threes and they just, you know, they went up blowing out the Knicks by like 25 points, but right. That's yeah. right. There's that's, yeah, that's, that's the story with these teams. It's like, it feels close. And then, and then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I like what the Knicks are doing. I support it. They just got to stay the course. They just got to be bad. You know, like just like the Knicks have always been so resistant to developing talent to, to just being, mm-hmm. You know, people, there's this like old adage that like you can't, New Yorkers are impatient. They won't, they won't settle for like a, a rebuilding team. 
And that I really don't think that's true at all. I actually think New York fans are very intelligent. They know what's up. And if you just mm-hmm. if you just make it clear, like, look, we're trying to draft that guy Zion Williamson. Just hang just hang out. Like we're gonna be bad and that's okay. And the young guys on our talent the young talented guys on our on our roster, they're gonna cut our they're gonna cut their teeth. And um and in a couple of years we'll have something special here. So I don't know. I think the Knicks just gotta stay the course and uh I would love it if Zion or RJ wind, winds up in New York next year. Right now, right now they're not a top pick. I mean, it feels like like they've got more wins than Washington, more wins than Atlanta, Atlanta. more wins than Atlanta, and more wins than Cleveland. And they've got more wins than Phoenix, the same amount of wins as Minnesota and Dallas. Yeah. So, that, like, you expect that, like, dude, that Cleveland <laughs> is going to be the that really puts things in perspective. The Knicks have as, has, have as many wins as the T-Wolves. The Jimmy Butler, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, T-Wolves are as good or as bad as the Knicks. That doesn't yeah. make sense. That doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Matt, before you go, let's talk real quick <clears throat> about the... Uh, the uh, Nike NBA City Edition jerseys. So these things are back. They're a lot of fun. Uh, they kind of give each market, each city, a chance to kind of reflect and pay homage to some element of their local hometown roots and culture in the form of an alternate jersey look. Um, is there any jersey that you are particularly excited about? Anything you especially love? You want to give some props to do you have like a top five and anything that you you love i've got a top five. Oh, great um it's not that surprising but it might okay. surprise you my top pick might surprise you okay great um so i will say that my number five okay is the new orleans jersey okay great um i love the it. the reason i salute it it's it's uh, the color scheme. The thing is, uh, what I want from these jerseys yeah. is I want my my goal with the city edition is like get outside your normal branding. Okay, right? Like do something really interesting. So like that's why you know the Lakers jersey, the right, um, the Orlando jersey. It's like we know what this the, is. Yeah. Charlotte Jersey, the Boston Jersey. I mean, like the Boston Jersey could not be more boring. It's no, just like, that's not what is, how is that different? Did you miss, like, you missed the point of the assignment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is about like, this whole thing is about fashion. It's about, it's like, it's fashion, right? So mm-hmm. like get, do something bold. Sure. And so I feel like new Orleans, they scrap their whole color scheme yep. and then they hit you with like purple, green and yellow. I like that the lettering is, yes. um, it just says NOLA. You know what I mean? I also like that the number is like sits on the stripes in a yes. kind of interesting way. Like, yes. I just think they kind of were like, yeah, let's make something really dynamic. They go with and like I, a Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras theme. And, you know, exactly. it's, 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 it's a no brainer. I mean, it's, I love the simplicity of it, but it's also super vivid. There's a bold purple, a green, a yellowish gold, and the white combination. It just, yeah. it's beautiful to the eye with that chunky Nola font across the chest. It's really nice. My number four is the Chicago Bulls. That's wow. a little bit of Homerism there. Wow. Because 
I like that they don't even say Chicago. What is so the I, stars from the Chicago flag? I have to admit, I didn't even know that was the Bulls jersey. I was like, wait, wait, yeah. wait, what's that thing with the stars? Who is that? Who's the, what team is, like, what, do you know the origins of this jersey? Like, what, what's the inspiration? city here? flag, like, Chicago has a city flag, right? Okay. And um, it's white, and um, it's white with blue and those stars. It's like those stripes and the four, like, six-pointed stars. Great. So the the four six pointed red stars represent major historical events. Oh, I see. Cool. Four, this is what it says on Wikipedia. I'm reading. Great. Wikipedia. But <laughs> um, and the stripes are meant to represent like the rivers and the canal. Okay. Um, so it's uh, I, I like it. I also like the sort of like night look, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it looks cool on Lowry marketing. So uh, I mean, um, my number. Three and two, and they're pretty interchangeable here. Okay, are uh, Brooklyn and Minnesota? Um, I actually think I like the Brooklyn one more than I like the Minnesota one. Great, like, I dig. I dig the Prince feel. I think it's cool. I, yes. I like. I love it. Purple but in rain. Some ways, yeah. Purple rain. Like they, they, there's a lot of really, really thoughtful features in it that I think are great. Like, um, uh, yeah, the font, they incorporated elements of the Prince, like love symbol into the lettering of the, of the numbers. Um, they've got like the sort of faux studded, um, right shoulder that sort of mimics like the jacket that Prince was wearing at the time. I think that's super, super cool. Wow. But like, yeah, but to me, the Brooklyn biggie, with the color scheme of, of the uh, sweaters that um, Biggie was so famous for wearing. Right. I just think, I, I don't know. It just looks, it's just, it's perfect. It yeah, feels it's nice. like it's, it's like clean and perfect. I mean, I guess, it, you know, according to the shit that I've laid out as being my, my criteria, I feel like Brooklyn didn't deviate in any other part of the, of the jersey, like it's a agree. low profile addition, but at the same time, I just think it's like all the color, all the color being in those panels and in the trim is fashionable and cool. And so I'm, Give I'm it into it. And then my number one, it's the same number one as last year. This is what's going to surprise you. It's the Utah jersey. Oh wow, great! I think I just think that Utah mm-hmm. like nailed it mm-hmm. out of the gate. I think they nailed it. I think like what I love about it is that it's an homage to like the, the scenery of the state and yep. the skyline. And these are the, the sunset, change of the color scheme, red rock yeah, inspired just, gradient jerseys and the, and the jerseys they became famous uh, for wearing last year. But yeah, it was probably the most shocking, so pretty. the most shocking look of last year. And I, I love this Jersey. It's probably my favorite as well. They, they, you know, they really grew on me. And I think especially when you pair this jersey with that pale hardwood hardwood court, um, it's just yeah. it's really great. Really, really great. Also the Jazz, let's be real, the Jazz are a team in constant need of some sort of like flair, you know, and, and, and yeah. for lack of a better word, and, and these jerseys just give the team and the fan base like a little pizzazz. And I just I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, totally agree. 
totally agree. What are your, what are your, that's your big five. So, um, I didn't rank them. I, I, I'll just say five jerseys that I really liked. You mentioned uh, two of them already, uh, the Jazz and the Pelicans. I really love both of those. Um, my, I like this jersey. I think it's fairly controversial, but I, they're taking a swing here. I'm going I'm to say the Bucks went with a bold, a very bold, borderline disgusting yellow um, jersey. It's paying homage to the old arena where the team played in the 70s, the Mecca. The Mecca famous, famously had a bright gold-colored uh, hardwood floor court, and it was designed by Robert, uh, Robert Indiana, an artist. And um, yeah, the Bucks will they're actually going to replicate that, that look in conjunction with the City Edition jerseys. So they're going to have the court and the jerseys matching. So it's kind of like oh, what the cool. Jazz are doing. It's Again, they're taking a big swing. It's pretty hit or miss. It's it's a boomer bust kind of thing. It's a little shocking to the eye when you see the yellow jerseys, but I, I support what they're doing. Um, I agree. That's one. It was hard for me to leave them out. I, th- I think the thing that killed it for me was the shorts that go with this jersey. I think are not great. I got to look at those shorts. I only saw the top. I think they kind of whiffed on the shorts, but you know, to, ch- check it out offline. It's a work in progress. Um, and then yeah. the other the other two that I want to. Give a give a shout to. I like the Denver Nuggets jersey. You know what Denver? I like what Denver mm-hmm. did here. They're infusing the jersey with some more color. They're bringing back the rainbow skyline look. They wore it from 1981 to to 1993. Um, I like it. It's simple. It's classy. I think they could have gone a little further with it. To be honest with you, it feels like a little. It feels a little muted. Uh, for for a rainbow jersey, it feels a little muted. Um, I'm not crazy about the the trim, the navy blue trim around the neck, but um, uh-huh. I, I I support what they're doing uh, with the rainbow jersey. And then the last one is, um, look, it's the Sacramento Kings, and I'm 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 a big powder blue guy. All right, that's just I'm that's the cross I'm gonna die on. Powder blue, the Kings throw it back. <laughs> they throw it back with a retro jersey. It's nearly identical to last year's City Edition jersey, uh, but this year it says just Sacktown across the chest. Look, I'm in. It's not perfect, but um, you know I, I like what they're doing. Obviously, there are some other popular ones. Uh, you know, people. On, on the internet, seem to love the the Miami Vice heat jersey. You mentioned the T sure. Wolves with the purple rain, and uh, yeah, I gotta say, I kind of hate the Knicks jersey. I think it's just so boring. I think it's boring, it's boring. and, and kind of hard to look at. You know, like it's just yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. It's weird. They they took all the stripes that the Hornets should have had. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's your what's your least favorite jersey? Or le- actually, can we play a game where yeah. we guess each other's we guess each other's least favorite? Jersey? Sure, yeah. I'm gonna say your least favorite jersey on the board is you know what's kind of boring to me. I bet huh. you found the Suns jersey kind of boring. Yes, I hate the Suns jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's not a. It doesn't. I don't know what's different. Yeah, I feel I like know. didn't Charles Barkley? Wear they, the, haven't they like, been wearing that jersey since like? Yeah, the, I feel like the Barkley Suns wore that jersey at one point, or just like it seems like I know what this jersey is. You guys always wear this a version of this jersey. Um, yeah, you have you have a purple jersey with orange trim. 
Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would have guessed that. But what, what, what's your least favorite jersey on the board? Oh, is it the Hawks? I think my least favorite jersey is the Pacers. The Pacers, Um, yeah, yeah. I don't like the Pacers one. I think it's, uh, it's just so dumb. It's just so dumb and on the nose. Yep. And like, I don't know why they put a road on it, and it's not like a real road. It's just like a stripe road. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I think it's the dumbest one out there. Yeah, but I also hate the Suns one too. You want to guess mine? There's a lot that I. Yes, I'm going to guess yours. I have two. I I know what it is. I have two. They're tied. They're yeah. They're probably tied. Yeah, tied for worse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think one of them is definitely Detroit. (gasps) Oh wow. And yeah. And the other is Orlando. Yeah. (laughs) I my two that I had tied for worse were Orlando and Charlotte. These are just so uncreative. Oh yeah, Charlotte. So uncreative. Like, what was the idea? They're like, let's just make a black jersey. Like that's what that's it. They're just a black jersey, and then throw our logo or Buzz City across the chest, and it's just it feels like I don't know. I don't know. There's something more to be done there. Yeah, it's like thank God Michael Jordan is not his legacy is not built on his uh, ownership. Um, Like I just think like I think like if you zoom in on the Charlotte one, it looks like there's little insect wings. Oh really? On the side, like like just just little like gray panels that are sort of like lightly wing shaped. But I think uh, if that is what they were trying to do, I I can't believe how dumb that is. And Orlando, yeah, is just like the most boring. Oh, I guess they have this little like celestial panel on the sides, but like again, like yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the magic. Maybe the Magic need a new name. No, I, dude, even looking at that panel on the side for the Magic, I thought that was dust. I know it's supposed to be like Magic Dust or something, like whatever, like, I, I just thought that yeah. was like dirt. I was like, oh no, Aaron, Aaron Gordon's got some like, like, um, lint on his jersey. Someone needs to like get that off before, uh, yeah, ugh. All right, listen. Yeah, I thought it was just like, I thought it was like pixelization like from a <laughs> low-res image. Before I let you go, uh, real quick, Monday night, tonight, the day this podcast comes out, we have the Pelicans at the Raptors. Both teams are top five offenses, averaging around 117 points a game. Uh, who do you got? Who do you like? Uh, I think the Raps. I think uh, the Pelicans have been kind of like, they had like a five or six game losing streak. And... Uh, I think they just, um, I just don't think that they're ready to knock off the Raptors. I feel like the Raptors just, uh, this is the thing that the Raptors have that I feel like nobody else in the East quite has and a lot of teams in the West don't quite yet have, which is poise. I feel like between Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard, especially with Kawhi, they just have like poise and like yeah. um, cool. Yep. Like like uh like just calm dominance. <laughs> yep, I hear Which, you. You know, like six months ago, I think I called the Raptors the Trailblazers. Eat. My, but my. I've come around. I've come around. All right, Jimmy Buckets debuts Wednesday night. Seventy Sixers at the Magic. We will be watching. Uh, Matt, yes, we will. thank you so much. You're the best. It's always uh, always super a fun. pleasure to be on the line talking NBA with you, and we will touch base later in the season. Right? All right, buddy. I right, talk to talk you soon. You Bye. All right, that was a conversation with Matt Hobby. Matt, thanks very much. 
My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. You can find me there. Email me your questions at OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. Jimmy Butler is on the Philadelphia 76ers. What's happening? Have a great week. I'll talk to you guys in a little bit.